Well, the final four is set, my friends. And we had a hell of a weekend to get there. A couple teams punching their ticket. Florida Atlantic taking on San Diego State. Who had that one? And Miami taking on UConn. Rowdy, good morning. What a game that was. And for the first time over the weekend, no one seeds in the Elite Eight. And obviously, not in the Final Four as we're ready to get uh, a champion. Either Florida Atlantic or San Diego State in the championship game. Who had that on their bingo card? Um, In all of the brackets that I'm in, zero. Did anyone out there have Florida Atlantic or San Diego State in there? Or Miami? Now, UConn was UConn, but... Did anyone have those going? In one of our brackets, someone had UConn going. I I was in whew, probably five to six brackets, different brackets. And I believe, well, I know for a fact, nobody had FAU. Nobody had San Diego State. I think one or two people had Miami to the Final Four, but that's it. And maybe, maybe 10% of people had Connecticut. Yeah. Um, I didn't see anyone or hear anyone at all having the Atlantic, Florida Atlantic, or San Diego State. Just if you had that, maybe of a time machine, you came back and uh, got her done. Well, clearly, Connecticut is the bluest of bloods still left. And Connecticut was the highest ranked team, not only in the rankings, but in the metrics. But also, you have to think when you look at that, uh, that quadrant of the bracket, yeah. you had Kansas. You had Gonzaga and you had UCLA. So I would say most people filling out their brackets probably had one of those three teams going to the final four. Uh, For the first time since 1970, there will be three schools making their first final four appearances. Absolutely nutty. And then speaking of final fours, you got Wisconsin tomorrow for the national NIT, the national invitational tournament semifinals. So we have that. We'll get that. But uh, yeah, March Madness. Uh, a lot of people pretty upset, Rowdy. Uh, what happened yesterday? Was it a foul or wasn't it a foul? As uh, a lot of people wanted to take to Twitter and let their voices be heard. Um, he didn't call it all game, but then at the end, I mean, the guy grabbed his body. Was it a foul, Rowdy? Was it not a foul? Well, here's the thing. It was a foul when you're talking about basketball and what is and is it was a foul but here's the thing it wasn't a foul all game long mm-hmm. so if you're going to call it that way you, you got to call it consistently you can't call a foul with less than a couple seconds left that was tough yeah that had san diego state advance as i mean uh, san diego state one of the free throws in. was physical bumping guys you know hacking guys and it wasn't called all game and then that touch foul is called to end the game, mm, it wasn't. It wasn't. wasn't. wasn't good. Played it perfectly from a timing perspective. Let's see if there's a hit. Left arm is down low. He didn't hit him with the right arm. The left arm might be on the hip. Let's take a level look. See that left hand on the hip. I'm a big believer, Ian, in that if the offensive guy makes a play. At the end of the game, and he's fouled, you have to call it. Now, some people are saying this may not be much of a foul. I mean, it, it isn't much of a foul, but it, well, it is a foul. I remember talking about a Bucks game, because we don't talk about the Bucks a ton during the regular season, just because it's a long, monotonous NBA season where you know, load management and everything like that. But I remember there was a game that we were specifically talking about maybe a month or month and a half ago 
where you had Joel Ingles who got kind of pushed from behind and they didn't call a foul. And then the very next time down the court, almost the same thing happened, but it was to a better player. Yeah. And that guy got the call. It was almost the exact same thing as what happened on uh Sunday with that play between Creighton and San Diego State. Yeah, a lot of people say, "Oh, that's terrible! That's terrible!" I mean, it is it a soft foul? Yeah, is it a foul? Yeah, should you have called it all game if you're going to call that kind of foul? Yeah, um, it's it's kind of tough to see a hell of a game like that go down to a dude shooting two free throws. Now he missed one of them. I wanted to watch the world burn and see him miss the other one just to go to overtime and see what happens. But yeah, the Creighton Blue Jays, their their dream ends right there in the Elite Eight. And San Diego State hangs on and gets the one free throw, fifty-seven to fifty-six. To game over, Audi done. I mean, entertain. Hell of a game though. I mean, it was entertaining. And then uh, Miami and Texas. That was an entertaining game too. I mean, Texas had their opportunities. What a joke. And Miami just came back and got her done. Texas up thirteen with like ten minutes left. They lose by eight. Yeah. Outscored by twenty-one points. Man, I know that that. Coach took them to the Elite Eight, and he's an interim coach. But after that, you might be in the business of looking for a new coach. Um, let's. Well, I mean, they already were in the business of looking for a new coach because he's an interim. Yeah, Rodney Terry. You know who he actually going. looks like? Who's that? He looks like the uh, actor from Breaking Bad that owned like the chicken restaurant. Gus Fring. Yes, he looks like him. Um, <laughs> he, he totally does. <laughs> he's just got a little chubbier in the cheeks. Oh, uh, Rodney Terry. Uh, hook him. Yeah, hell of a tournament, though, man. Um, this tournament's been crazy, and hopefully we get some good Final Fours. It's, again, three teams that have never been there before. I, parody in basketball, I guess, big time. So you were talking about brackets to start the show and, you know, who had this and who had that. I think this is the first time in a long time that a lot of the brackets or pools that I'm in could probably be paid out today. <laughs> because not a ton of people can still score. Yeah. Um, well, I, I was, I was kind of, I don't really care about other, uh, people's brackets. You were kind of talking this morning. You could potentially get second in one and win another one. Was I'm looking pretty good in a number, but that's the thing. It's like the one that we did at work. Nobody can score. There's still three more games, but nobody can score. It's over. It's, it is done. Um, Let's see here. This year's men's NCAA tournament is the first time since seeding began in 1979 where no team ranked better than a four seed has reached the final four. Um, a hell of a tournament. And I've been wildly entertained by it. You've been wildly entertained by Rowdy. I don't think there's ever been a time where I haven't been entertained by the tournament, though. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like March Madness, everyone's tuned in for pretty much every game at every time with multiple TVs. I don't think anyone's saying that it was boring because none none of the number ones made it, but uh, a lot of brackets busted. Yeah, do you want? I mean, I guess my question is: Do you want to see number ones make it? Like, is there's been times where chalk was happening all the time in March Madness, and now for the first time again since seeding 1979, you have no seed higher than four. So, do you do you want to see chalk making it? You're not going to get it this year. I I like the madness of it. I like kind of like the underdog stories of teams you never heard of. I'll make it to the final fours. It's been exciting. It's been fun. And they could see uh, Wisconsin get it going, too, tomorrow in their own final four. NIL money, is it the sole reason we see four teams now make it to the final four of March Madness? The landscape has definitely changed. But is it solely because of NIL? Can Wisconsin get there again?
Yes, remember Wisconsin was in back-to-back Final Fours. I think it's yeah. more transfer portal than NIL at this point. Yeah. I mean, it, it allows people to move freely. You don't have to sit out a year. Um, Is it because I mean, some kids have been in school for like eight years now because of COVID? <laughs> could be that too. <laughs> well, think about like all the fringe kids that say are Duke slash North Carolina slash, you know, whatever blue blood you want to insert there. They're fringe players there, but they expected to go in and start. Didn't didn't get a spot. Yeah. Now they transfer out to like an FAU and get to play every day, get more, you know, development because they're playing more, you know, they get more reps, et cetera. Then they actually become better than some of those kids that are at blue blood schools that when they all originally got their day one were slightly better than them. And now they're at FAU succeeding. Mm-hmm. It's just opened up like, kind of RJ said, instead of having North Carolina have, you know, a team of 15, 16, where 12 of them are complete studs. Yeah. Now they only have seven and the other five went elsewhere. And now if you, uh, with the transfer portal, if someone does offer you big time NIL money elsewhere, you can Mm -hmm. go get it Mm -hmm. hand in hand for both of these. It is a brave new world. So with NIL money with Wisconsin, (laughs) I the Ritz cracker thing is the one that drives me like where did that come from? FAU has a transfer from Minnesota. <laughs> really? Man. And he made the right move. He got out with again was good. He's like, get me the hell out of here, dude. Well, some of the teams that have made kind of big runs kinda of out of nowhere are teams that did quite well in the transfer portal when you look back on what they did last offseason. Okay, from UConn? No. But that's that's an FAU that is a Conference USA school that's poaching a Big Ten, a Big East player. Like, those are guys that if you're recruited in the Big Ten and the Big East, you are thought of as being pretty good. Yeah, right. Like, you're, you're a Power Five uh, player. No one's thinking when they're coming out of high school, if there's some stud, yeah, I'm going to go play in Conference USA at FAU. Oh, did you also see their head coach never played college basketball or pro? He would was a manager under Bobby Knight. I didn't see that. Really? Yeah. Good for him. I man. did cool. see uh, Dusty May. I did see uh, John Rothstein put out a pretty funny tweet where it was about Dusty May. Yeah. Dusty, we sleep in May. <laughs> <laughs> John Rothstein is an absolute gem, especially in March when yeah. it comes to his Twitter account. He gets all those nice little sayings. <laughs> he is, he's, and he's got T-shirts now. He got these people. I saw someone have this is his this is March tweet on a blanket that they had made. Yep. Like the guys living large in March. You know how it's like, uh, what is it? Uh, Greg Gard, Silent Assassin. Yep. yep. And then you had um, Jay Wright used to be the Fortune 500 company. <laughs> yep. Another good one was uh, West Virginia Mountaineer basketball. Tougher than a weekend with your in-laws. Yeah. <laughs> John Rothstein is it's like the greatest it's like dad jokes on and steroids. For the silent assassin it was death taxes and Bo Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of Bo Ryan, one hour ago. Oh. John Rothstein. And I quote, this is a Bo Ryan quote he just tweeted out. Be really good every day at all things that don't take talent. Boom. Bo Ryan. Uh. John Rothstein up early getting Bo Ryan quotes out there. Well, he doesn't sleep. No, he's he's still, still sleeping. <laughs> he still has a, well, I mean, we're not even in April yet. Yeah. He's got a month plus to yep. stay awake. <laughs> John Rothstein, he's awesome. Uh, I love this. 2023 Final Four in Houston. Five seed San Diego State. Nine seed Florida Atlantic. Five seed Miami. Four seed UConn. Anarchy? 
Nope, just college basketball. <laughs> I love it. College basketball has been great. Saturday, the first of 15 practices begin for Wisconsin football spring yeah, that practice. Happened. That did happen. A lot of up-tempo pace. Mm. Look, look at me. About mm. two and a half, two hours, 40 minutes of just nonstop pure Wisconsin Luke Fickle ball action. 2.15. Two right. some, some reporters reported an hour and a half. <laughs> She's uh, Luke, Luke Fickle said like it was like over two hours. Yeah, it was over two hours. It's two hours fifteen minutes. Is his is his is his clock a little faster? The reporters just wanting to get out of there earlier. One, I don't know. Uh, it was our reporter, <laughs> Zach. He tweeted it out. He's gonna be. On. But then he immediately tweeted out and goes, "I was wrong." <laughs> Zach admitted he was wrong. Yeah. Wow. It, he, he said it felt like an hour and a half compared to last year's, we're gonna the have last to, couple of years' practice. We're going to have to bark at him at 820 today because he's going to be on. We're like, yeah. what's with all this misinformation? And he's not prepared for it because you know he doesn't listen. What's all this misinformation? <laughs> you're, you know, he's sleeping right now. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Here's his article. For the first time in the Luke Fickle era, the Wisconsin football team hit the field uh, for practice inside the McLean Center on Saturday. And it's a good thing they went inside the McLean Center on Saturday. Yeah. Especially here in Madison. It would have been a little hard. There was a um, foot of snow on the ground. There was. Uh, I went to bed Friday night. And it was, you know, Friday was a nice day. It was it like 40-something nice, yeah. degrees. It was I was, a great day. I was outside, like, uh, I was getting ready to time. look at my landscaping. Mm-hmm. I was pulling a couple old weeds or, you know, dead weeds. I'm pulling some sticks out. And I'm like, damn, it is a nice day. Uh, and then I woke up on Saturday, and there was an effing foot of snow on the ground. It was not not good. So that's why they're in the McLean Center on Saturday. And it, you know what's funny about the weather from Saturday is that by about <clears throat> 1 o'clock in the afternoon, it was actually not terrible weather. Yeah, it was nice. then it was a nice day again. <laughs> there was just snow. It was like a bunch yeah. of different seasons. Love the seasons of Wisconsin. And then yeah. after that, once uh, the plows came through and, you know, threw everything back up onto the driveway. Oh, my favorite. I went out in shorts and a T-shirt and just sold yeah. it off. Hey, I went out in, a, in shorts uh, yeah. the first time, like, to go uh, clean Jen's Jeep off. Yeah. Mistake. I didn't realize how effing deep the snow was. I was like, my God, this yeah. sucks. Uh, but on Saturday, besides you know our woes of shoveling, uh, the play of the day, says Zach Hubbard, there weren't a ton of big plays on the first day of practice as coaches were just installing the offense. The one that did stand out came courtesy of Nick Evers and Chris Brooks Jr. during a 7-on-7 period as the quarterback ripped a 40-yard dart to the wide receiver who leaped up the grab. Despite solid coverage. Now, again, it's like Underwear Olympics. It's not. Yeah, I was going to say that's kind of interesting because from some of the other reporting that Zach put out, Evers was taking snaps as the third string quarterback. Yep. And uh, Brooks Jr., I mean, he's got to be decently down on the roster as well, especially with yeah. the guys that they already had in place that were ahead of him last year and all of the new guys with all the highly touted stars. Yeah. So now, yeah, this kind of interesting. This was the play of the day. There, I'm sure there was m- many other ones that were good. This one was the play of the day. But then this is the good that Zach had was the pace of the practice. He says, after 40-plus seasons of dominating the time of possession and taking full advantage of the play clock, Wisconsin's going to look to pick up the pace on the offense this year under Phil Longo. Uh, the pace of practice mirrored that change with players seemingly always in motion from one snap to the next or from one drill to the other. As offensive lineman, Atena Borolini said last week that the offense is going to be uh, like a constant two-minute drill. And it sure looked like it on Saturday. Boys, are we ready for a com- – I know we're ready, but are we ready, ready for a complete overhaul and change of what Wisconsin football has been sure. and what it will be coming up here 
in early September? I mean, if you're one of those people who doesn't like it just because it's different, like go watch I, Iowa. I, yeah, go watch Iowa. I don't. I don't understand it. It's it's not the Wisconsin way. Well, okay. I mean, it can be. We've like Longo's. Like it's not an air raid. It's not that. It's an up tempo. I think you winked after you said that, though. It's not an air raid. <laughs> No, because he's proven it at North Carolina. When they have capable running backs, he, he had almost two running backs get 1,000 yards, yards rushing yeah. and had almost three receivers at 1,000 yards receiving. Like, it's it's legitimately a balanced offense that just runs more spread out and, like he says, allows the talents of the individual athletes to be used better. Do we really care what the offense looks like as long as they win? Because that, I feel like team. I feel like since 2020, there's been more questions than answers for the Wisconsin Badgers football program. And at this point, clearly the writing was on the wall at halftime of the Illinois game that the guys just weren't doing it for Paul Christ and Paul Christ must not have been doing it for them. And there was a disconnect and things were going south and it looked like the program was lost. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly wouldn't care if you brought in for a little revamp the Texas Tech air raid from back in the day where they threw it all over the yard, or even on the exact opposite spectrum, you bring in like the wishbone and you run the the triple option like a Navy, something to change it. And as long as it changes and brings some excitement to the program and you start to win, whatever. But I'm with RJ. It's it's not going to be a huge change like clearly they're going to throw the ball a lot more it's yeah. going to be a lot different they're still going to run the ball it's not like hey all of a sudden Tanner Mordecai is dropping back 60 times and throwing for 70 touchdowns in a season uh, I know right away when they first made this hire I was thinking about all this stuff when we brought in Bill Nagy to talk about it and he kind of talked about you, Bill. how yeah it's a different offense but a lot of the assignments are still basically the same yeah it's just a different formation yep guys instead of being packed in on the line are now spread out but it's basically the same thing yeah i mean uh, up until chez malusi got hurt you were on pace to have like probably a guy who in allen who got to a thousand yards and a guy who would have been pushing for a thousand yards you know um you're not going to look at that with those two guys returning and say, eh, I'm going to just predominantly throw the ball here. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited, though. I mean, I know we're all excited to see the change, though. Yeah. Like, who wasn't ready for an up-tempo-looking offense? Like, it's going to inject some life into it. Well, it's, yeah. it's not only going to do that, but it's going to help recruiting. And I said, you know, I don't care what type of offense they run, yeah. whether that a lot be of people do air raid or, a, <laughs> you know, a, a triple option. But that was just to make a point. If they brought in the triple option, you're not going to get four and five star recruits no. like this is a this is a sexy well, up-to-date Megatron current went offense. To Georgia Tech. they ran a triple option <laughs> was, you're, you put him on any team though he'd, he'd be good <laughs> yeah but overall you're not going to be able to recruit five calvin johnson's like you'd want to no like not. like the usc's or the alabama's or the clemson's all the blue bloods get five calvin johnson's every single year yeah. but 
If you brought in an offense like that, yeah, you're not going to be able. This is the sexy offense. This is the revamped, up-to-date. This is what a lot of the high-powered, better teams in college football are starting to run this almost like a uh, air raid hybrid. And that's why I think people care what the offense looks like, because mm-hmm. uh, would you be getting the amount of, you know, big, every time they put up the smoke screen, Luke Figgle tweets out the gif. Would we be getting all these guys if they didn't bring in an offense like this? Um, I mean, obviously you would have Luke Fickle, but like people obviously. I mean, it sounds like they're getting to come these guys in. solely because of Longo, not just necessarily yeah. the offense. So, I mean, I, I think it's a big thing of this oh. offense changing. How One about thing- the fact that you have people out there that want better recruits, that want to compete with Ohio State, but then at the same time, when things change, like the offense or the recruiting. Uh, ways to go about it with NIL. This isn't the Wisconsin way. It's not the Wisconsin way and blah, 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 blah. And we got to recruit more three starts. It was like, wait, five months ago when they were getting beat up by Illinois, you wanted more four and five stars. Yeah. I don't, those are the people I just, we don't normally get transfers. The Wisconsin way is done. That's how, that's how Barry Alvarez did it. There's a new Wisconsin (laughs) way now. I mean, the Badgers didn't get good real quick because of the people that were already in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, there were a few of them that were that stayed and were a part of that Rose Bowl team, but for the most part, it was transfers <laughs> and JUCO guys who came to Wisconsin to initially jumpstart. Like this could be uh, one of those where, yeah, there was. Well, you also went away from the Veer offense, uh, which helped out a lot. The Veer. Um, <laughs> you trying to say bring it back? No, absolutely not. <laughs> um, but it, it's. It's one of those, yeah. Well, if, actually, if you're that's afraid a of the change. You need, you needed this change. That's a good point, though, RJ. They got rid of the veer. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but didn't Nebraska in the '90s run the veer? Yeah, and so and, did Oklahoma. And that was some of the top offenses. And isn't it weird that Barry Alvarez basically came from Nebraska, or at least played there, yep. and he still went away from a veer? Mm-hmm. Like this was his change. Yeah, this. This was that was his changeup. I'm going to a different offense. I'm bringing in some transfers right away. We're going to try and turn this around as quick as possible. It's almost the same thing that Fickle and company are doing, except for (laughs) the prototypical pro style offense isn't the new offense. It's now this hybrid air raid. And then they brought in their transfers. People were astounded when Wisconsin finally put the pistol in. <laughs> it's like, what? Come on, people. Then it's, people were appalled not... when they put the wildcat in. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> like, what is what's going on here? Um, but no, not everyone was appalled. Yeah. Dave I, from Monona loved it. I also, I also embraced <laughs> it eventually, even though it never really worked a ton. Yeah. Hey, it did result in a touchdown this year. Yeah. <laughs> like the biggest scramble. A passing touchdown. Yeah, Braylon Allen to Chesney yeah. Lucy. The biggest scramble play ever that looked like a dead play that turned into a TD. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he kept his eyes downfield. He looked like he was the best quarterback on the roster. And that's a game that the Badgers won <laughs> they because did, of the Wildcats. They blew him out yeah. against the Wildcats. They didn't run the Wildcat there. They lose that game. Yeah, probably. Prove me wrong. But, <laughs> <laughs> but some standouts uh, from Wisconsin's first practice. Now, again, practice, but still, it's like there's a lot of people energized up and uh, have eyes on the program. Uh, Zach Halpern, who, again, will join us in an hour from now, was talking about standouts. Uh, Ricardo Hallman, the quarterback saying he was absolutely uh, crushing it in practice. We were just talking about uh, the wide receiver who caught the big pass from uh, Nick Evers. Chris Brooks Jr. was absolutely balling, saying highlight of the day, as noted above, but the redshirt freshman seemed to pop up several more times 
you know, six foot two, two hundred twenty five pounds, but you know, big target that isn't afraid of getting physical. Again, just day one, but he said uh, in Zach, you know, watching practice that he stood out in a very suddenly crowded wide receiver room. Yeah, and then Will Pauling as well, wide receiver, stood out big time. A couple of things that stood out to me: Julius Davis, still not in the still, two, still not in the two deep. And the, still two deep the two deep were two guys on ones and two guys on twos. So you had Braylon oh. Allen, Ches Malusi. Then you had Jackson Aker, who's moving over from fullback, but was a was a pretty good running back in the state of Wisconsin when he was playing at Verona. Cade Iacomelli, who is moving back from running back to DB, and now he's back in the running back room, is getting minutes over or snaps over Marcus Allen. And then uh, or, uh, Julius Davis. Then on the receiver side, Marcus Allen is not in the two deep as of right now. Yeah. Well, I think some of the things that need to be said when maybe some of the listeners are out there and they're like, oh, well, Marcus Allen was decent and now he's not in the two deep or on the reverse side, they're like, oh, this Brooks Jr. comes out of nowhere. Where was he last year? I think something else that needs to be pointed out is that some of these big time transfer receivers also didn't practice like they weren't participating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then to RJ's point, I think we just need to read the writing on the wall. Julius Davis just isn't good. That very well could be. <laughs> like, like, or they just won't let him out of that doghouse. Yeah, but it's, it's they let been, you out if you're good. But now it's carried out over. Yeah, but it's been a, three much distinct. It's been different position coaches. Now you're an entirely different staff, and you're not even on the two deep, which is four guys right now. Yeah, that, he's just not good. No, it's <laughs> tough. On the Packers front, so over the weekend, reports coming out that the Jets and the Packers have basically stalled in negotiations. And they're both kind of far apart on what they want to do. And uh, more people throwing their hat in the ring of who's got the power, yada, yada, yada. Well, negotiations uh, with the Jets brass, apparently, Rowdy, from reports, the Jets brass is unsure whether it wants to include next month's number 13 overall pick for Rodgers or a Rodgers rental that may only last a year or two uh, for New York. So... If you're Brian Gutekunst, Rowdy, don't you say, well, okay, I want that number 13 overall pick. I'm holding up for that. Like, Isn't that exactly what you do? I saw a lot of people projecting, and it was after the Elijah Moore trade when they picked up, you know, now two second-round picks where they, I believe it was 40, was it 42, 43? Yeah. And the Packers are also sitting there at 45, that maybe they would package up both second-round picks instead of the first-round pick, Mm -hmm. and maybe they take on a little bit more of Aaron Rodgers' uh, cap hit. We'll see. I mean, I... I know that Jimmy Johnson made it famous with like the drafting uh, values of what each pick is actually worth compared to other picks. Yeah. And... I know that the 42nd and the 43rd, which the Jets have in the second round, are actually, when you look at that value, become a first-round pick. So maybe they would take that. That was one that was floated out there late last week and then the weekend. But, yeah, obviously Packer fans, we all want two first-round picks in the top 15, right? You got to. It's Aaron Rodgers, four-time MVP. Can I just say the one thing that I don't want to see the Packers get included into the deal and that's third round picks because <laughs> Goody, so bad. Goody has had his hits and his misses when it comes to the draft, but man, all he's had in the third round are misses. Every third round pick. Uh, it's the opposite of DJ Khaled. All we do is win. It's all we do is blow it in the third round. Like what is the best, the, the best guy I think he ever got in the third round is basically like a, 
below average starter. <laughs> that's just like that's just a guy. Let's see here. Third rounds. We have uh Sean Ryan of the twenty twenty two. He only suited up for two games and got popped with PEDs. Before that in twenty twenty one, ready for this one? Amari Rogers. We know how that ended. <laughs> twenty twenty we have We know how that started and ended. Josiah DeGuara. He's just he's a just a guy. And then in 2019, we had Jace Sternberger. He didn't make it more than a couple years. Uh, 2018, Oren Burks. Again, he was just a guy when healthy. And then before that, it's Ted. So, And Ted did Montrevious Adams. So right now, we've got to debate who the best third-round pick is. It's I guess it's Josiah DeGuara. Josiah DeGuara or when healthy, Oren Burks, question mark. Like that's it. That's, that's the only two you can choose. I think it's got to be DeGora. Just I'm with you. I think it's DeGora as well. Isn't he all the Packers have right now at tight end for like, I know they got a backup, but yeah, he's basically tight end one. Yeah. I've, which is scary. So Brian Gutekunst, for the love of God, do not take third rounders in the Aaron Rodgers trade. Uh, a trade may include another a trade may include a bigger package for the four-time MVP, including multiple draft picks, a package that was similar to what the Broncos received in their blockbuster trade for Russell Wilson last offseason. Again, Rodgers isn't holding this up. It's, it's, I'd assume it's Goody. I feel like if I was the Packers, Playing hardball. obviously I'd want 13. Yeah. But if oh, I yeah. if I couldn't get 13, I probably would take both of their early second round picks. So then you got your 15th pick and three early second round picks cuz clearly if you're drafting in the top 100, you got to hit those top 100 guys because those are a lot of the guys that come in day 1 and can contribute to your team. Yeah. I would probably I would probably take those two second round picks, but also you got to think about it this way when you're talking about you know, trades and contracts and everything like that. I would want some type of insurance as if I get more compensation. If Aaron Rodgers plays a second year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Like I, if I get those two second round picks, I also want compensation in the contract clause that I get more compensation. If he plays year two, cause I get, I get the jets worry coming from a Packers. Gotta side. Be made whole. You know, as a Packer fan, I get the jets worry. Well, what if we give him multiple first round picks and the dude only plays one year that that's a total worry. And I get yeah, it, I but that's why I think you got to have the clause in there. If he comes back year two, then we get more compensation. Yeah. Cause now you're getting a guy for two years. And I think you should even draw that up. Uh, even another year down the road and say, if he plays year three, we get this as well. Yeah. Now that's got it. Yeah. Uh, Jets coach Robert Sala was on uh, NFL network on Sunday saying, quote, two years ago when we first got here, just thinking about where we were and how far we've come to have a guy like him. Rogers want to play for us is pretty cool and shows us how far we've come. Well, uh, I don't know if Rogers necessarily wants to play for the Jets. I think it's like the only place that will have him. I think I still think that there other could teams be would, but a couple other teams that might want to throw their hats in the ring. But, but I get where Robert Salas coming from. At this point, I think it's clearly Jets are the focus. Yeah, but think about it this way: if you're Aaron Rodgers and you're looking at some of the other teams that potentially want to trade for you, the Jets are clearly the best scenario with the team that's most ready to win. Big in defense this year for the next year or for the third year. A lot of the other teams are either crappier organizations or they haven't been good in a while or they just have worse rosters and worse players. Mm -hmm. So you probably won't want to go there. But think about how even sweeter this could potentially be for you if you're Aaron Rodgers, where clearly he was unhappy with the front office and clearly he was unhappy with Mark Murphy by some of his comments on the Pat McAfee show. Maybe there's a little bit of that with Brian Gutekunst 
who knows? Maybe there's a little bit of that that little feistiness between him and Lafleur because we did see at times in the last year that him and Lafleur got into some spats here and there. Could you imagine though? You get to go to the Jets, who are an up and coming team, who do have some salary cap space, who do have a lot of picks, and your guy Nathaniel Hackett is there. Ooh. They brought in some of your buddies like Lazard, and your pure blood Lazard. Potentially could get Ezekiel Elliott, Tony yeah, potentially his belly shirt. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, potentially or Randall, Randall Cobb, Cobb, potentially Ezekiel Elliott, potentially Odell, Odell Beckham. Ooh. But you know who the head coach is? The guy that you didn't really like, his best friend. How how do how about sticking it to that guy yeah. with meeting it with his best friend? And he's not worried about hair because he's bald and he doesn't have eyebrows like Matt LaFleur. But don't you think that's like the ultimate Aaron yeah. Rodgers win? If he can somehow go to the Jets, he brought some of the guys that he liked yeah. from Green Bay to New York. He's got an up and coming roster. They got space. They got picks. He wins it. And the coach just happens to be the guy that you didn't really like that much as best friend. God, that would be <laughs> for Rogers poetic justice right there. All right. Line one. Good morning. Who's this? That's good. Rody. Hello. Yo, Mitch and Madison. Mitchell. What's up, Mitch? What's up, dude? Dude. Packers trade Rogers to the Jets. Jordan Love balls out and they meet in the Super Bowl. Couldn't write it any better than that. Jets Packers. And then what? Calling it. I don't know, man. Then what? Madness. The writers write the script. I think it's it just it, <laughs> the, the then what would be, well, what writer are we letting write the script? Because if we let our guy Rob Reichel read the script, Rogers probably flames out in the Super Bowl. True. Dude, you know how, <laughs> you know how insane the media would be if that happened? So, oh, like, it would be, I, people, I would totally be here for it, man. Yes, sir. Obviously. But hey, Ellen, I know you guys moved on from the Brewers, but no, please, uh, you had a good this. So, you know, honestly, whether we kind of like it or not, the pocket protectors, as you say, have kind of taken over. Because nerds. <laughs> Freaking nerds. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I but I agree, uh, Rowdy, you were talking about, you talking to that uh, Dominican dude, and he was saying how, you know, if you like baseball, you like it. If you don't, you don't. That's a million percent correct. The fact that they're changing these rules isn't going to magically make, like, a kid start watching baseball. We've talked about this before. But what they need to do is they need to get in highly populated urban areas. And there's a lot of land, a lot of buildings that are available that MLB should build parks, build fields, and get the youth involved. Because I'm guessing between the three of us, uh, one of the biggest reasons we like baseball is because it was introduced to us by our family, our friends. You know, we grew up with when we were it. kids, correct? Right, exactly. And here's the thing: the kid, whether whether we like it or not, if the kids are introduced to the game, whether it's small ball or whether it's uh, money ball, if they like Mitch? baseball as a whole, they're gonna like it. You know what else? You know what, I you know what else? Maybe you like baseball too. What's that? Steroids, the steroid right. era. Bring back Jordan, the roids. Let's go. let's go. Mitch, there was also this this winter on Juice MLB em. Network. They actually had like the MLB draft combine where they had all these high school kids or college kids come out. You know, they they do some fielding, they do some hitting, but then they also do some of like the, I guess you would say combine type drills that are more focused towards baseball. And they were actually talking about that because they had Harold Reynolds on. And obviously he's an African-American former big leaguer, now broadcaster. And he was talking about how Major League Baseball actually does have like this, uh, 
I, I don't know the exact term, but it was like like a city kids type organization where they focused on inner city, more of like the like black youth. And this combine was the most where every or these kids from the inner cities were actually at this combine because they were that good. And they pointed to some of these uh, inner city programs that they had started over the past like decade. And now they're starting to see it come to fruition where they're getting some of more of these inner city kids that are playing. But also you have to look in MLB can do that. But then there's other factors here. You have to look at the fact that basketball is a big sport. Football is a yep. big sport. And with a lot of kids these days, they're not playing three sports. They're picking one or two that they like and playing them. Like I know back when I was a kid or even farther back, a lot of people played every sport depending on what season it was. Kids aren't really doing that as much anymore. And if these inner city kids gravitate towards basketball or towards football, it's hard to get them into baseball. Yeah, 100%. But they could even, and no, that's good that they have that set up, but I'm sure they could do nope. even more on that if if they really wanted to. And I guess my point is I, the the rule changes only serve to piss off the current people who like baseball. <laughs> it's, you know, uh, speeding, quote-unquote, speeding up the game with the pitch clock Somebody who doesn't like baseball isn't going to be like all of a sudden, oh, there's a pitch clock. Now I'm going to watch a bunch of games and be a baseball fan. You know what I mean? And that's what a lot of the, the old dudes running baseball don't really understand. Oh, a pitch clock? Opinion. I'll watch now. Yes. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, Mitch, we'll end on this right here. Nerds! What? <laughs> Nerds! See you, buddy. Nerds! See you, Mitchell. Yeah, bye. See you, buddy. Good stuff from Mitch. Um, and whoever's on line two, uh, if you were just a little more patient, you would be on right now. Instead, you hung up. So, so when RJ was That's on, on you. When RJ was on, I asked you a question. I know that steroids and home runs saved baseball in the 90s and early 2000s, but now is the analytics with home runs and strikeouts killing baseball? Yeah, I mean, you either strike out or hit them or home run. You're going to strike out or you're going to hit a home run. We'll talk about it coming up after Zachy. Um, great question for Rowdy. Pose it again, Rowdy, so people can... Think about it some more. Yeah. Clearly, the home runs and steroids saved baseball Nerds. because it made it exciting. You had the home run chases with Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, and Barry Bonds. But now, because it's all become long ball or strikeout, and it's it's so one or the other, is it killing baseball? Is it killing people being interested by it or wanting to turn it on and watch it? Just think about it. It used to be you had your power hitters who would go up there and bash it out of the park and everyone else played like complimentary baseball around them. Now is it like everyone just wants to hit a home run or and strike out? And that's where you're getting to the point where it's like, hey, that might have saved baseball, but now it might be killing it. I got to get comments from this cat right here. I think it's uh, is titillated the right word, Zach, of the first practice of Fickleball, Wisconsin? Titillating. Titillating. Yes. Are you still titillating? I'm not. I, I, uh, I got, as I think I predicted, uh, I got through the first 10 minutes. I'm like, all right, um, spring over. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it was definitely not, uh, it, a normal spring practice in Wisconsin because everything mostly was different. So wow. I'm, but I, I titillate, titillating, uh, in the moment, 
um, I have now calmed down, and now I'm gearing up for tomorrow uh, and another field I, for practice number two. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you got so titillated that you couldn't even tell time that you were so, like, enamored with the Luke Fickle era. Of, like, you said the practice was how long, but it was really much longer. What what, what happened here? Yeah. Uh, I can't tell time. I, I, it's it titillating. An hour and a, I, I said afterwards an hour and a half was actually two hours and 12 minutes. Um, and, uh, yes, I can't really tell time. I, I think I was going off the time it was supposed to start. Like, it was supposed to start at 1045, and then uh, they got done at, like, uh, what was it like twelve twenty, something like that? So I was like, oh, that sounds like about an hour and a half. Um, it wasn't. They got started earlier than that and uh, got done. You know, well, they they had two hours and fifteen minutes of work, Evo, and they got got it done in two hours and twelve minutes. And you shorted them about an hour. So Zach, um, I get yeah. it because when you're having fun, like for me, anyways, when I'm having fun, time seems to just go by so fast. So if, when does that? When does it do that for you? When I'm uber titillated. Okay, like so, like when you're drinking a Bloody Mary, oh, and, and winning two hundred, playing, winning two hundred fifty dollars in pull tabs while drinking a Bloody oh, Mary, sorry, and, pull tabs. my bad. Oh yeah, I, t- time flew by. I, I was uber titillated, especially mm. when I got two hundred fifty dollars. Then you go somewhere yeah. else down the road and get really titillated. You know what I'm saying, <laughs> um, <laughs> Zach? So, <laughs> what stood out for you then? I mean, it, it's it's practice. It's the first one. I get it, but everyone's really yeah. you know pumped up about this new kind of you know version of Wisconsin football. What stood out for you besides this kind of uh, this fast pace environment? Well, I mean, it was the fast pace environment. I mean, it's just the fact that, I mean, it, it's probably not fair to say that it wasn't ever like that before, but I mean, just guys running from drill to drill and the drills themselves, uh, they do something called the uh, skelly, which is essentially just seven on seven. Um, and usually like you take up the entire field and you do one play and you come back and huddle and then you go do one play and you come back. And huddle. That's not how they did this one. They did all of, they, they had two quarterbacks, one on the left, one on the right. And they would do one play to the left. They would do one play to the right. They do one, but they, it was just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Obviously there was no huddling going on so it was kind of uh seeing phil longo off on the sideline like uh what um uh signaling plays in and you know talking into a headset into the play you know so it was it was a uh a much different situation or a much different look than what we're normally uh used to and obviously the offense was significantly different they didn't line up under center once they didn't have fewer than three wide receivers on the field at any point in uh and then near, or that's the same thing, two hours and 12 minutes. So it was that, that, I mean, obviously the offense really stood out uh, as different. And there was no fullback anymore. How, how, how sad is that to see? No fullback. However, that's, however, untitil- that's untitillating. It is. Uh, after the practice, though, Luke Fickle was talking to us and he was asked about Jackson Aker, who played fullback last year, and now he's playing uh, running back. And he said, well, we could use him in a number of different ways running back. Uh, H back, maybe a little fullback. Mm. So, so it's possible that the fullback is not completely, completely dead. <sighs> Ooh, thank God. All right, good. Mm. So, um, a lot of guys, uh, new transfers in. Were they not practicing though yesterday? Was it kind of dudes like you know, not there, chilling on the sidelines? Like what was going on with some of the new look Badgers? There was, yeah, there was only a couple guys that didn't practice. Uh, new look guys, namely Bryson Green, who. Came over from Oklahoma State, the wide receiver who a lot of people believe uh, is going to be is going to have a you know pretty big role in the offense. He's dealing with a little bit of injury, though he was catching passes after practice uh, from Tanner Mordecai, and then uh, Darian Barner, the tam- uh, the defensive tackle from Temple, 
Mm. He's in a uh, boot and on crutches. Uh, the funny thing about it, though, is uh, even though those guys are hurt, they're dressed up. They're dressed fully. So Darian Varner was <laughs> yes, Darian Varner. Darian Varner was in helmet and jersey and like pants and uh, yeah, it was it was full. It, it was it was a little weird, but it was. Hang on, I think you're I'm telling sure me that he's in full pads, helmet on, and crutches. Yes, and boots. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, uh, I've been on this like like a baseball managers in the uniform. I think the coach should have to be in full pads and a helmet. Uh, yeah, I think Pickle would love that. I think basketball coaches should have to be in the full you know you know jersey and shorts. Like I don't think anybody wants to see that. I would love to see Greg Gard dressed in the Wisconsin gear. It'd be Zach, awesome. question for you: If they did do that, <laughs> do you think Greg Gard would elect to go with the short shorts, like the nut huggers, or do you think he would go with like the TJ Ford ones? TJ Ford hang down to like your shins type shorts. Oh, Gardo's a G. Well, Gardo's a well, G. Well, this is this is the 125th anniversary of Wisconsin basketball, and he's been honoring the various eras by uh, the way he dresses. So. Maybe we get that. Maybe he'd uh, honor it and uh, base it on the different eras. So short shorts, if he's honoring the 1980s, really long shorts, if he's, if he's uh, in the 90s. So it would probably just depend. What's the longest um, shorts Wisconsin ever had? I'm thinking like Alondo Tucker. Yeah, I mean, the, the big ones, him and Cam Taylor. Yeah, Michael. I remember Michael Flowers having pretty long shorts. Yeah, yeah I guess I guess that's the early 2000s. So. I, it just dawned on me, too. I think reporters for their respective companies should have mm-hmm. to dress up in, like, football uniforms. Like, we need to get a okay. zone, like a blue and black and white <laughs> zone football uniform for you to wear. I'd, be, I'd probably, <laughs> probably wear that just like I wore that jacket sweet. that you got. <laughs> what? that? Remember that ridiculous jacket? It's hanging in my office, Zach. Yeah, I see and it every day. You love. I'm waiting you for love. you. To, I'm waiting for you to put it on. Still, some people, some people wore it to the game. Um, I, I never put it on once. Some people wore it many places where it shouldn't have been worn. It's yeah. <laughs> I'm just now. I'm picturing Greg Gard trying to honor the entire 125 years of Wisconsin with nut hugger shorts, but the baggy uh, jersey, and it's all tucked in. God, that'd yeah. be great. That would be phenomenal. <laughs> I want Greg Gard to wear the nut hugger ones with the belt on it from way back in the day when Wisconsin won a championship. All right, so yes, speaking of Wisconsin, well, anything else from uh, football practice? The next one's tomorrow, you said? Uh, next practice is tomorrow. Uh, as uh, we, we started, we're doing the camp daily oh. during spring practice. Wow. Uh, so that, that got started this morning. I went down and sat down with uh, the entire strength staff last Thursday. Did you bench? And, did you put uh, up any 225? Did you bench? We did not. We did not bench. We did not uh, do anything like that. They saw me. They're like, "Yep, we're not going to do anything." Like, we don't like have that. enough plates we, uh, for this guy. We were like, we, "We don't have anything small enough for this guy to lift." So uh, they, no, we we sat and talked for like forty minutes. And some really good stuff in there. And you could, uh, yeah, I know that. the the bar might be tougher. You could have benched the easy curl bar. Like you could have done that, Zach. I, I don't know if I could have. Uh, I, I see what you do. I see the videos you post. Thank you. It's just very, very. I'm up to 185 now. Going to 190 it's, soon. I just got. Just I just got Ronnie Coleman. I just got some Ronnie Coleman uh, stuff. So I'll let you know how it goes. All right. So Zach, it's just very overwhelming every time I see one of your videos. Yeah, baby. Lightweight. Lightweight, Zach. Hey, Zach. When it comes to uh, the other side of things, not Greg Gard wearing nut huggers, but Wisconsin <laughs> basketball. Uh, we had a question earlier today. I want to get your take on it. Um, with you know how the Final Four is now, three teams have never been there before out of the four, right? Uh, with some of these teams out of nowhere, has Greg Gard's seat gotten hotter with how some out of nowhere <laughs> yeah. teams? I, 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 
was like, okay, interesting it, question. It gets cooler. How, how does how does I mean how does a coach at a Power Five conference get his seat get hotter when a whole bunch of randos make the Final Four? I mean that would say that would suggest that every single Power Five team and coach is on is on a hotter seat because of what happened this year. I think it just opens up the idea that anything can happen in in March. Like there's there's absolutely zero uh, rhyme or reason to anything that happens in March. It's it's very off. It's, if you're playing good one day, you're you're good, and if you're not, well, you're going home. And that's what March is. And that's kind of, I think it kind of underlines the idea of us just basing all of our feelings on what happens in March and, and not really caring what happens the rest of the year. And whether that's fair or not, that's what it's become. But I certainly don't think you think Greg Gard's heat gets hotter. No, I don't. That, that maybe sounded like ripping the question. I, it's a, I guess it's a worthwhile question, but I think it. I think it kind of goes the other way for me. Now, um, speaking of the Badgers, before we get into their Final Four, uh, the only team, by the way, in the Big Ten uh, in the Final Four, and still playing in March. Still playing. Yeah, still playing, baby, and in Wisconsin. But Zach, uh, I saw the, an interesting article coming out of um, uh, Nigel Pack um, here for Miami. Them talking about how he got huge money, eight hundred thousand dollars for NIL, four hundred k per yeah. year, and this is kind of NIL money is changing the landscape, and obviously transfer portal as well. But this guy got eight hundred thousand dollars to come play at Miami. Is this something you know Wisconsin could dip in more to to have more success with the transfer portal? And did you know that Chucky Hepburn had Ritz Cracker money? <laughs> I think Wisconsin is in a um, for its players that are already here and the players that are going to have an opportunity to come here are in a really, really good spot. I think we're going to see continued um, that type of money coming to Wisconsin players. Um, and I, I don't know about, I'm not going to put a figure on it. But yeah, I think well, they're, yeah. in a, they're in a much better spot this year than they were last year, uh, especially when it comes to trying to get, uh, get kids, not just to come here, but to stay here. Um, they have the resources now that I don't think necessarily they, they had a year ago and, um, kind of like the football team, they're in a much, they're in a much better spot now to play in this, this world than they were a year ago at this time. So, um, I don't know if that's going to result in guys coming in, but I think they have a better chance of holding on to some guys that they actually want to hold on to. I'm not saying there won't be transfers. I know there will be transfers, um, that we're going to find out about here as soon as their season is done, but, um, in terms of holding on to guys that you actually want to hold on to, I think they're in a better spot. So do you think, Zach, it's safe to say that with the hiring of Luke Fickle and some of the money that's being poured into the football program and talking about like Chucky Hepburn with the Ritz crackers or the Mountain Dew, et cetera, <laughs> that maybe uh, Chris McIntosh and Greg Gard have changed their tune on what Wisconsin is when it comes to NIL and what they used to be and what they are uh, kind of moving towards? Well, I think it's two different things now. I think it's like you, you mentioned the guy that went from, what was it, Kansas State to, to Miami? Yeah. Um, $800,000. Announced announced by that, that guy uh, who the NCAA is all over right now. Um, and not like that's going to matter. Like they can do anything. Yeah. Uh, but that – Taking guys and announcing guys that you're going to be playing in that in that arena, I don't think their message has changed there, and I don't really think the idea has changed. It's about opportunities once you're at school. It's not pay for play. I don't think it's ever going to be pay for play, even though it is for many other schools. So I don't know if it's 
I don't know if it's necessarily their message has changed or the idea around it has changed. They're always been, they've always said that they've been for guys getting uh, paid for, for their name, image, and likeness. And it's just happening in different ways than maybe Miami is doing it. Miami, you know, saying, hey, come here and we'll pay you this much. Wisconsin saying, come here, look at all these opportunities you have once you get here. So I don't know if the message has necessarily changed significantly. I remember talking to Greg Gard last offseason saying, we're never going to be a group that is getting into throwing huge sums of money at guys just to come to our school. And I don't know if that's changed. Well, you see some of them, they're in the Final Four right now, which is, you know. That's exactly what you want. That's exactly what you want. I know. But um, there's also a whole bunch of other schools that did the exact same thing, and, and they're not. Yeah, so, I mean, totally. I mean, San Diego State and <laughs> FAU is in there. I don't think any of those schools are throwing money at, uh, play, like, a ton of money thrown uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they did it, come in. they did it on a different approach, at least listening to some of the broadcasts over the weekend. Miami might have thrown a lot of money at players, but FAU really hawked the transfer portal. And right. those are the two new things in the last few years that everyone's getting accustomed to. So well, it's, guys, it's guys going from big conferences to smaller conferences, right? Like it's, it's guys going that weren't playing maybe in a lot of, in some places, not getting the opportunity they thought they wanted or and transferring down conference USA, you know, is not one of the power six conferences, but it's a solid conference. And if you win it like FAU did, you're going to have a chance to play, but you're, you're going to see a ton of guys, like as many as guys that are going up from smaller conferences, like kind of like a, um, what Wisconsin had this year and Max Klesman coming from Wofford. Like you're going to, you, you see, we see a lot of that. I think we're going to see, we're going to see a ton of guys going down and uh, it's going to result in, I think a little bit more uh, talent ending up at some of those smaller schools. So Zach, I mean, it, well, I mean, this is going to be a thing. It's like wild West. So we'll continue to see what happens, but what happens tomorrow night in Viva Las Vegas, my friend, North Texas, the slowest team in the country taking on one of the other slowest teams in the country, the Wisconsin what's, Badgers. What's the, over under at this point. I no, thought it opened at 116. So it, it opened in some places actually at 118. Instantly bet down. Some of the sharpest books right now have it at 114 and a half. Mm. <laughs> Do you know the last time that num- they were that low for Wisconsin, Wisconsin game? Uh, would it be the 2000 team that went to the Final Four? It would not be. Uh, Virgin, when Wisconsin and Wisconsin and Virginia played, I think it was 2011. Ooh. I think it was 112. Ooh, ooh, 112. Uh, oof, duh. Yes. Oof, oof. So, but either way, uh, what happens tomorrow night? I think Wisconsin wins. I think yes. North North Texas is probably yes. the most complete and best team that they've played to this point. Uh, that's that's healthy um, in the tournament. So, I think Wisconsin finds a way. Uh, low possession game, I think, kind of favors Wisconsin. They're have been in a ton of them and been in a ton of close games. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Cool. Maybe they'll maybe they'll want to play some offense tomorrow and, and, and hit some shots. But Don't, Fingers crossed. Uh, Let's hope so. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Right? Yeah. Anything else, Randy? Good? Good? No, it's just going to be uh, there, if it hits where the total was projected uh, or currently sitting, 58 to 57. So get ready for a barn burner. Mm-hmm. Get so it sounds about like – so it sounds like a lot of Wisconsin games this year. Are you going out to Vegas? Me and you were hitting, uh, jumping on a plane Wednesday if they win, right? Isn't that the? Yep. Isn't that what you said? You, I thought you had it. Yep. You and I. You, we're you bunking. Gotten, yeah, you had gotten uh, confirmation from. 
Yep, I got uh, a hotel room for us. It's just one bed, one queen. So get ready. One queen. Yep. Gotcha. All right. Sounds good. And Zach? Kind of sounds, kind of, yeah, okay. Sorry. No, 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 please. No, one queen. That's not what he told me, Zach. He said all, they could, uh, too. all they could find was one twin. I'm a cuddler, one too. Double. I like to cuddle. Yeah. I was going to say, that kind of reminds me of your guys' trip up to Appleton last week. Mm, we, had separate, 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 we had separate, separate beds, though, sadly. No, no, one, no one believes that, actually. And there's, there's zero evidence, <laughs> picture evidence, that there were double beds or anything like that. I, I texted Ebo, and he said, yeah, we're probably going to have to stay in the same bed. So, Well, Zach, um, well you and I are going to do that, too. Uh, we'll flip a coin for uh, Big Spoon, Little Spoon, okay? Yes, sir. Unless you have a preference. I don't. I'm, I'm open Man. to either. All right. Well, Zach, I'll leave you this uh, where it started out. Uh, Ronnie Coleman once said, everyone wanted to be strong, but no one wanted to lift any heavy-ass weights. So go watch some Ronnie Coleman highlights if you want to get inspired for the day, okay? All right. Thank you. Zach, we love you, bud. All right, guys. Too. <laughs> uh, it is confirmed. Rowdy and I did have separate beds.